Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um, the guy whistling into a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who did their very first rock blast there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. It is a wet and rainy day here in good old Melbourne town. And again, the pod is late. But I'm strongly considering having the pod drop on a Friday anyway, so it'll give me the whole week to get my ass into gear and find an hour to put the show together. So uh, I do appreciate your patience, Art of Touring listeners. Uh, I think those of you who have been listening from day one would remember the show used to drop on a Tuesday. Um, And then I changed it to a Wednesday, and now, just like the X-Files, we've been moved to prime time, baby, on Friday. So, let's hope uh, the show is just as successful as the X-Files were when they moved to prime time. Um, Oh, what else is going on? I am in promo mode, hardcore right now. I've booked a show at the Corner Hotel. I'm freaking out. I want people to come and check out the tribute show to Pearl Jam's. A Vitalogy album. It's 25th anniversary. It's happening on August 31st. Um, it's in about 30 days or so. Uh, we've sold 65 tickets so far, and its capacity is 750 people. So we've got a bit of a ways to go. So I'm going to promo it at the start of the pod and the end of the pod. I just want people to come, man. Please buy a ticket so we're not playing. I mean, 65 people's great if it was a small room, but it's a big bloody room. So we need more people than that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get some more cats down there at the corner on August 31st. Um, now let's get back to the pod, back to the, uh, uh, back to the issue at hand. This week I caught up with DJ, our second DJ, I believe on the art of touring, uh, DJ Hans DC. Hans and I had a great chat. We spoke about many things, including many of his passions, uh, skateboarding, rollerblading, to name a couple. Uh, but keep listening to hear Hans, uh, tell the story of how he played, to an absolute packed audience at the Rainbow um, Serpent Festival um, a few years back. And the reason there were so many people at his stage at that time in the evening is awesome. So stick around to find out why. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Friday. Let's call it that right now, Fridays. Uh, You can listen to The Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. Uh, And remember, Art of Touring is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network. I haven't heard much from them. Um, I hope they're still kicking, but I'll I'll keep promoting them every week. You can check out all the other shows on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. 
Um, guys, tell friends about the podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Tweet about this podcast. Make a Facebook post about this podcast. Print off A4 flyers and give them to random people on the street about this podcast. I want this podcast to spread its little wings and find a bigger audience, man. So if you are a regular listener, tell a friend about the show and uh, tell them how awesome it is. Um, just, yeah, if you could, that'd be sweet. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, however, so if you are listening with the little ones, it might be a good idea to throw on Star Wars droids. I think that's like an 80s animation about Star Wars and droids. It's pretty kid-friendly. Throw that on, and then once they're dropped off at uh, daycare, uh, put Art of Turing back on. Now let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 66 of The Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Order 66. Do you have a whole bunch of clones that you want to manipulate into destroying the Jedi Order? Then execute Order 66, baby! All you got to do is um, figure out a way to manipulate an entire clone army, um, get them built on a faraway planet and then um, orchestrate the entire destruction of the Jedi Order uh, while um, just just telling one of them to go execute Order 66. And then you can. Art of Turing Podcast Episode 66 is brought to you by Order 66! Ah, there you go. I've waited a long time to, uh, to have Order 66 be the sponsor for the show, and, and why not? Episode 66. And very fitting as well, because um, Hans is a big Star Wars fan. That's how I know Hans, so it's perfect that uh, Order 66, he is Episode 66. It's all happening right now on the Art of Touring. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. That's the platform we use to host this show. If you would like to listen on the desktop, you can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Now let's hear my conversation with Hans DC, and we'll see you at the end with some concluding comments. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I'm not sitting in uh, my home studio in Epping. I'm in glorious Paran tonight uh, in the apartment two. I won't say what street because that would be weird. Um, and uh, with me, joining me tonight is DJ Hans DC. How are you, Hans? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming all the way. Dude, I man, I don't mind at all. I'm muso. I'm used to traveling, so um, I just threw on the old, you know, podcast in the car and uh, and and made my way down to Paran. Yeah. Um, so we'll start the show with um, with the question that I ask every guest, and that is, um, where are you from, and and where did you grow up? Um, okay, uh, I am originally from Malaysia. I come from uh, a town called Petaling Jaya, which is uh, forty minutes, half an hour out of Kuala Lumpur. Um, and I grew up there till I was 16 or 17, 17. And yeah. then, um, I got sent to boarding school in Perth. Oh, really? In 92 and 93. So I went to an international boarding school in Perth. Um. And your folks didn't come down? No, I got sent away. Like. By yourself? Long story short, I wasn't, I was a naughty kid. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and I had to go to boarding school. Really? But I had the opportunity to go overseas. So I, I chose to go overseas. Yeah, right. Um, and they, they. They put me in a. I enrolled in a in Beaufort College yeah. in Perth. I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah. Um, in '92, and um, 
because I was an overseas student, I had to I had to go back a year, so I had to take year eleven again instead of doing year twelve. So right. I did year eleven, year twelve at the Australian syllabus. Oh, so you were, you were meant to be in year twelve. Yeah, I was meant to be in year, year twelve. 11. Exactly. Oh, okay, okay. You yeah. lost a year. Yeah. 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 And um, um, but the thing was, for the first two years in Perth, um, because it was an international boarding school, there was no Aussies in there. And right. So we had every other nation except Australia, but Australia because it's an international school, right? International school. Australia's right. go to Australian school. Huh. Um, and for the first year, they didn't really let us out. Well, half the reason is they didn't let us out because they were, you know, you had to be back a certain time, lights out, whatever. You yeah, only yeah. allowed a certain amount of hours or on the weekends with your parents' permission. Um, but the second year was a bit better because, you know, we knew the area, we knew, we knew the rules. Yeah. Um, so we took the weekends and went out and stuff like that. As long as we were, as we were back by, you know, before 9, 9 p.m., we were fine. Far out. Um, uh, went to my first metal concert yeah. in Perth. Went yeah. to Metallica. In, oh, uh, really? Yeah, Metallica in Perth in the 90s was 90, 92. Yeah. Or 93, something like that. I uh, watched the Rollins band. I was, oh, Rollins band. I was a big metalhead growing up in, uh, yeah. in Malaysia. Um, so my music, my music influence started with pop. Mm-hmm. So I've always listened to pop music, the top 40. Yeah. I've always done it since I was 10. Yeah. Nine till now, I still do it. I don't know why. Yeah. I hate it, I hate it most of the years, but I, you know. You still I, listen to the charts? I do it. I do it religiously. I don't know why. I always have. Huh. Um, on the other side of that, when I started listening to it, when I started buying music, when I started, when I discovered what a, a record store was. Yes. Uh, in the late 80s or mid 80s, um, it was metal. Right. It was metal and it was, it, was, it was hard metal. It started with like scorpions and stuff like that and went all the way to like thrash yeah, right. All the thrash metal bands. Well, because we're sitting here in, in your... Now, you didn't call it a man cave earlier. What did you have that <laughs> name? Did you have for it? So, I call this my boy den. The boy den. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the level below the man cave. <laughs> it's indoors. It's clean. Yeah. Um, it's got, it doesn't smell like grease. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> in your boy den, we have a, a, a very, very impressive um ikea bookshelf stacked with vinyl records well there's a reason for the amount of records because when when i first started djing it was just vinyl yeah right cdjs were just around i think it just came in yeah the cdjs with the cd yeah cd players yes just came in yes um and I'm not talking like the ones in your car or the ones in your home. I'm talking like the, the ones with the pitch controls and stuff like that. They kind of no. just just came in. Yeah. And they weren't very fun to use. They're quite sure. robotic. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, wasn't quite there. It was the first generation stuff. So everyone, you know, you want a DJ, you've got to learn how to play vinyl. Yeah, of course. Because that's what DJs that's, use. <laughs> that's, yeah, disc jockey, man. Yeah, disc jockey. So, yeah, um, yeah. But then as the years progress, you know, like technology's progressed. And yeah, um, being a commercial DJ, it's hard to keep up with the vinyl it's expensive yeah and, and especially carting it all around to the shows well, like that would just be commu- a lot of commercial music's throwaway yeah you know you buy you spend $20 on a song you play it for three weeks yeah 
and no one wants to listen to it anymore. Well, that was a thing. Like when I, I was in a cover band in the early noughties, uh, we would, you know, we learned all the classics, obviously. But then when a new song came on the radio, we're like, okay, do we bother learning this? Will this still be popular right. in a few months' time? Or we literally play it once and never play it again. And so it was like that really delicate balance. You know, I mean, at least you would just spin it and then not have to worry about it. But we actually would have to go through the, the process of learning the song. Well, starting out as a DJ, I mean, no, yeah. nobody wants, nobody starts out wanting to be a commercial DJ. Right, you right. Know, everybody wants to be that cool dude who plays the cool tunes. Sure. In the cool club to the yeah, cool kids yeah yeah you know like but but i don't know it it was easy for me yeah right with pop music okay i knew it all yeah, okay right? of course I, yeah, all the old yeah. stuff all the current stuff like like whether i like it or not i knew i knew it mm. um and it was easy for me to find i mean pop music is easy to find and so was there someone at home um growing up in malaysia that introduced you to pop music my parents my um so my my music I started listening to music, my, obviously from my parents. Yeah, and my parents was all pop. Dad was oh. dad was Lionel Richie. Yes, and mom was Michael Jackson. Right, you know, and in between it was Air Supply and yeah, you know, and that that was that was what I grew up with. And okay, then, and then MTV came, and then TV came, music videos. Sure, um, someone brought a tape back of like a the, the top the top twenty or the top fifteen US videos, mm. um, uh, VHS. This was like late 80s 86 something yeah. like that you know it had um stevie wonder i just called to say i love you in it right as a top as, as a charter yes so that year whatever year that was was that's when you kind um, of got that's hooked. when i i discovered everything opened you yeah, know I was like, yeah. oh, and i started listening to the music uh, huh. differently you know not just the words of the song you know i listened to different like oh this is like this this is like the the guitar this is like the bass and the, this is like the bass line and the, yeah. and started listening to stuff like that so that's how I really got into like I don't know beats and stuff like that sure right yeah okay and um, so your folks were into music and um yeah you, and did you ever play an instrument as well or I tried like did I you did, tried a little I, bit I I um I I played uh I tried to play the drums you did yeah but because we, I didn't have a kit we went. Everyone in the every every teenager in the in the eighties and early nineties, I think, in Malaysia, was in a band, like a a rock band, right? Whatever rock it was, be. And then there were there were places that you could go, studios that you could go rent the studio, and all the equipment was there, huh? From the guitars to everything was there. Yes. So you just went in, paid for two hours, and however many of you go in and just just bash, just bash, basically. <laughs> and that's how we started. And then yeah. um, uh, we had a friend called um, his nickname was Jack. His name is Charles. Um, he was a good friend of ours and he was very talented with the guitar mm. and so he taught us all how to play a little bit and read how to read tablature yeah right um, and um, and from there he uh, he got sent to the same boarding school as I I did in year 12 as well oh really and um, we started uh, we didn't start a band but I think we played in a band in the year 12 formal there you go yeah and we played like four songs I was Enter Sandman and yeah um, Sweet Child of Mine no I wasn't I wasn't the bass are you on the bass guitar yeah because yeah. I wasn't that good on the drums I was a better drummer sure sure <laughs> <laughs> so there was only the bass yeah yeah um, but that was a long time ago that was 93 wow 1993 there you go yeah um, wow. and then that was it I think that was the last of my my musical sort of dreams or whatever it was smoke yeah. dreams yeah yeah um, came to Melbourne, got into uni, came to Melbourne. Yeah, right. In 94. Um, and the whole time I was, I was, a, sk I was a skateboarder. 
Ah, oh, that's so that was a big part of your culture as well. Yeah, so I was, I was always been a well skater. And, yeah, so I skated yeah. in Perth. Um, I didn't skate for that first year, only only when I went back for holidays. Um, yeah, in school break. Um, but after I got my pass to go out on the weekends, I found a skate shop. I found the local skaters, so I went skating on the weekends with the with the Perth skaters and stuff yes. like that. And my friends, that was cool. And then I came to Melbourne, and um, in the nineties skating was not a good time like mm. it wasn't a good time for skating in the 90s um, right people had bad attitudes people looked terrible the clothes were baggy and yeah <laughs> they were baggy um, I, I distinctly remember going into um the the melbourne skate park it was actually used to be in the heart of the city like, okay so remember the Finister street station yes where where fed square is now yes there's a gas and fuel used to be the gas and fuel building yes and on top used to be like just flat Oh yes, it used to be called. We used to, skaters called it Flatlands, and you would go up there and skate. And everyone, you would see skaters up there, right? Remember, right. remember back in the day. No, I don't remember that. You don't remember that. My only memory is like further up Swanson okay, Street. Okay, so after that, towards the um the 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 state library. Yeah, so where um where where QV is. Yes. Yeah. That's where the skate yeah. park was. So when that, I was the would go. that was the, the sale yards. That was the sale yards. yards. The yes, sale yards. Yes. So that sale yards came after that gas and fuel building got tore down. Right. Because skaters made it their place. And the, I think someone spoke to council or whatever. They made some rams, got the YMCA, and then had that temporary space because I think they were still negotiating. I don't know whether the sale of that plot or ah. whether to build something on it. I think that was yeah. still, there was, there was time. So it was always going to be a temporary. Yes, it was always going to be a temporary thing right. until they sorted out the river slide. Yes, which is the one now. Now, which is the one. Yeah, now. yes. I, yeah, look, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit cloudy with, with the details, but that's no. roughly what's what happened. What like, happened? Like the timeline of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, um, I started skating, uh, like, as a teenager, and I, I had a skateboard as a kid, but I lived in Greensboro. Like, there was nowhere right. to skate. You know what I mean? Lots of skaters come from Greensboro. Well, there you go. But I, there was really nowhere to skate. No, like, you, you know what like, I mean? You're skating on the road. It's really gravelly. It's like you can't really practice, you know, on that kind of uh, But surface. most people practice on the the, uh, the driveway. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You start on the driveway. And yeah, then yeah. you go to your friend's driveway. Yeah. And then you go to your other friend's house, which probably has a little quarter pipe somewhere. Yeah. And then you... You're old enough to catch the train to the city. Well, that's right. Yeah. So eventually, <laughs> I did catch the train to the city. Yeah. But um, I, d- I hadn't. I was never really any good. I I found like my niche that I could just coast really comfortably. Right. I could. I was just always could just you know just coast and like downhills. You know, no problem. Um, but I remember the very first time I went to the sale yards, I probably would have been 19. So I was a very late starter. Right. Right. And. Um, I hadn't met my mate who I would go skating with at this point. I was just by myself and I'm looking at all these dudes skate and, and I was like, oh man, these, these guys are really good. You know, these guys are amazing. And then I saw this guy and he was terrible. He was falling over every two seconds. He was trying cre- tricks and missing them. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely better than that guy. <laughs> there you go. So after that, I was like, you know, I might as well give it a try. And so after that, you know, I, I started rolling and, and, you know, now when I go to the, uh, sorry, Riverside. Riverside. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm confident I can go up and down the ramps and all that kind of thing. But I never learned how to drop in or anything like that. That's but fine. As long as you go. can roll on the board, that's the main uh, thing. It's, it's most, so much fun. So much fun. Um, yeah, right. And so you started skating. 
um, and that was no. I started skating in Malaysia. In Malaysia, okay. So as let's, a teenager, let's let's, let's, let's go. Let's go let's back. Go back a, let's a little go back bit. a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So the reason why I was sent to boarding school was mm. because of skating. Mm. I took a year off because I got into skating. Some that's it's a whole another story. But basically, I got into skating. Yeah, and I hated school. Whatever it is, I, it was the teenage years. It was 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Um, and I was the first generation of skaters in Malaysia. Huh. And, you know, I read every magazine. Yeah. Got every video from every every white person I saw who was a skater who brought it from, you know, like whatever. Because we couldn't, we didn't have anything in Malaysia. It was no. Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, uh, uh, just skated, skated, skated. And then... Um, uh, it caught on. The whole skating caught on. Uh, shops started <laughs> stocking skateboards. Skateboard shops opened. Right. Um, and then competitions happened. And I won the first ever national skateboarding competition in Malaysia. This was in Whoa. 1989. Wow. I don't know. This is a long time ago. I was like little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that that was it. I won. I won a trip to America. I won three grand cash prize. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was like in the 80s. This was That's like- That's incredible, man. Un- unheard of. Yeah. And then- So was, was, what was, where was the course? Like, was it in a, a built skate park? Oh, they just made up a course. No, it was in a, it was in a, it was like in a car park. Right. And they, they put a, a handrail there and a, a shitty jump ramp and that was it, like pretty just much. Just made out of wood. This was the 80s. There was no kickflips or like- Yeah, you, yeah. You know, you just get, as long as you didn't fall off, you were good. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, and you'd been doing it for years, and everyone else. Uh, had, no, had kind I'd of been, been doing it for like a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm prior to that it was just you know up and down on a banana board in the driveway. Right, right. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so that I took a year off school, huh? Um, to skate, and and in the end of that, my my parents were like, "Nah, you have to finish school. You have to at least finish. You know, you can't. Yeah, this yeah. isn't. There's no future in this. You can't. Right." Even though you won the competition. Yeah, but this was the... No one ever heard of like, you know, it's like, it's a toy. So what if you won a competition? Right, that's how they looked at it. Well, yeah, because there was nothing else like it. Huh, yeah, right. Okay, um, that makes sense. Like, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't think anything of it. We thought it was a skate competition. Oh, yeah, one quake. Yeah, we, we never knew... Eventually, was, it was being We never knew they were pro skaters. We never knew there was... People got sponsored. Sponsored. And, and you know, like, we were like, oh, there's a magazine with skating. Oh, these guys are cool. Like, yeah. we never thought past. You don't think past that, right? Like, right, right. You're 15. You're like, oh, this is rad. So what happened when you went to the States? Um, I didn't go to the States. Oh, you weren't allowed to go? Sold the ticket. And <gasps> sold the ticket, got the money, and then didn't go to school for a year. <sighs> oh, no, Hans. Why did you do that? Because, Why didn't you take the opportunity? Because I was 14. I was 14, you were you wouldn't wouldn't have been able to go. No, probably first of all, wouldn't be able to go. Secondly, wouldn't be able wouldn't know what to do when I was when I got there. Okay, so you know it wasn't I mean? never it, been out of the country without my parents. Yeah, right. Like, so yeah. crazy. Logistically, like, it was no impossible. way. It's crazy. That was like too far fetched for me. Um, mm. So I did that, and then finally, parents gave ultimatum. Said, "Look, you have to go. You have like, to go to the boarding school. You have to go to some school." Yeah. Um, and this was like September or something like that. And they yeah. said, you have two options. We'll send you overseas. You can go to America or you can go to Australia. Huh. The, the, the difference is in America, the term starts like in June or July, whatever it is, right? Like, right. Like mid-year. Yes. And then in Australia, it starts in February. Yeah. Or end of January back in the day. Mm. Um, 
and it was like I think it was the end of the year. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I've had enough. Had enough. Don't get along with my parents. Hated everything. Just a full rebel mode. Sure. No, nah, I want to get out of here. So and get it over and done with. Yeah. So I picked. Picked the, the, the earliest one, and yeah. then I got sent to, to Perth. To Perth, there you yeah. go. And then the whole time I had my skateboard, um, did that. Almost got expelled from school in Perth. Oh, really? <laughs> but that's another story again. Yeah, um, right. Um, for another time. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then got into, uh, hung out with the skaters in, uh, in Perth, and they were cool yeah. for a year. Yeah. And then came to Melbourne, um, and the skaters were not cool. Huh. Um. So what was the skate culture like back in the early 90s in Melbourne? Oh, I don't know. It was quite like, it, it's quite, I hate to say the word because it's not not the right word, but elitist, you know, like, huh. because like, oh, this is our territory, kind of like that sort of thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Not welcoming was, at all? No, it was stupid. Like, huh. because for us, like with skating, I don't know about like Australia, Melbourne at the time, but for us in Malaysia, yeah. and what we thought skating was is, it doesn't matter what you look like, what you if you don't speak the language, you're carrying a skateboard. Yeah. And you're rolling on your family, man. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, that's how it works, right? Exactly. Like, I'm sure it's it's the same with guitarists. I'm sure it's the same with No. <laughs> so I used to think it was. It's not. It's not. Um yes, music is a universal language, but it does depend on where you're from a little bit. Like just like any kind of culture, unfortunately, um, that they they have people still hold those kind of old school ideology um what's that word like uh, I, mentalities yeah where mm. like oh you're from here but i'm from here and this is the music i like that's the music you like it's a little i don't really want to get into it but i know what you're saying yeah look i i it i it could be it could be i stepped into the wrong place at the wrong Time. moment long time you know yeah, like yeah um what, what it was because all the all the people from then yeah who i still see around now are all cool yeah right you know so maybe maybe it was a little bit of them back then maybe it was a little bit of me like who knows who knows right yeah, i mean yeah. we were a lot young it was 20 years ago sure yeah yeah um, so you know whatever it was so i found the skate shop again like in every city i find the skate shop yeah which one <laughs> um there was a there's a skate shop called smc in the city the mm-hmm. one with the ramp inside Next to Myers, which is now, you know, okay, so you know where Commonwealth Bank is? You know where McDonald's is on the corner of Lonsdale and Swanston? Yes. And then there's a lane where Jerome's used to be. Mm. Up from Jerome's on the corner, there used to be a, a shop with stairs that go up. Huh. That used to be a skate shop. Right. And if you go up the stairs into the shop, if you, halfway in the shop, if you look down to the right, the stairs that goes down, there's a mini ramp inside, which was part of Myers. Ah. Oh. And they made it into the skate shop. And then, and, I mean, like, which is now part of like, I think Emporium it's called or something like that. Oh, it's or actually part still of my, there. No, it's not there anymore. But like right. that, that area was part of the shop. So they put a right, mini ramp in right. there. They put a ramp in there. Yeah. And so all the skaters would be there when it was raining in Melbourne. Yes. Nowhere else to skate, go to the mini ramp in, inside the shop. Oh, okay. Um, that makes sense. But yeah. the only problem is that the shop sold rollerblades. Ah, oh, rollerblades. And, 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 was, and had rollerblades and pro, and had, and were pro, you know, they had, Wednesday night skates and did all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was the same time as when inline skating went tricks. Started doing handrails and jumps and ramps and skated the half pipe. It was really popular. It was it was it was it was the explosion of it at this, at the right time. Huh. And so I ended up hanging out with those guys. Right. And I hate to say it, but I ended up starting rollerblading. Rollerblading, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, say whatever you want about it, but 
um, I found it to start off with. I found it a lot easier. I picked it up really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it sent me over, it sent me around the world twice to do competitions. And really, yeah. Wow. So, but we don't talk about that because. Uh, it's, Why is it's, that? It's inline skating. Because <laughs> it's inline skating. <laughs> oh, Hans, you make me laugh, bro. That's hilarious. Uh, look, I'm not embarrassed. It's something I've done, and and you know, like if if I didn't the worst if I, things to be embarrassed about, dude. <laughs> I, if 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 I'd never took that path, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Probably, you know, sure, you know how sure. they say like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole time I still skateboarded and stuff like that because that's my first love. Right, um, but, yeah. But rollerblading was really, really good to me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the people were really good. Um, and so you started every, every, winning competitions and everything. I didn't win any competitions, but I was, I was, I was okay. Like, you know, okay. I, I, was, I was good enough to, to cap Get my, on the circuit. Put my foot and in go the, around the world. Put my foot in the door, yeah. But, wow. But I was never good enough to win like competitions so but so like much that. so that you got like sponsorships and stuff yeah I had like flow sponsorship and yeah like right that. and, um, that's that's why so that was a good couple of years yeah um, and so during this time so this uh, by this point you're like you're in your early 20s I was in uni and what were you studying I was doing PR in uni you were doing what uh, public relations oh uh, PR yeah at RMIT right yeah um, to keep um, and well that was basically the reason why I had my visa to stay yes and so you, you finished your um, degree? No. No, didn't finish it? No. So oh, that's another story. <laughs> so many stories. Mm. Um, so I deferred, I deferred uni for two years because I needed to extend my visa. Huh. Because I couldn't figure out like, how to stay. Okay. Yeah, of course. Right? So for two years, I failed. For, so for, the, for the, the end of the second year, so basically the third year, past 27 subjects or whatever it is out of 27 subjects I failed one okay. on purpose so I had to take it one subject the next semester which was like 8 hours or something like oh, that oh just to stay in the country and and pay the money for which was like a couple grand or whatever it was sure. for the subject yeah um, for the semester so that they would sign my visa to yeah. stay <laughs> um, so I did that for a couple of years and then um, <laughs> you just kept failing one subject yeah pretty much <laughs> I think we did it for two years. Yeah, right. Um, and then um, I'd met Suze in 94, mm-hmm. 95, I think it was. It was in the middle of university. It was, a, it was first, it could be the first year of university as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Um, and then uh, we got together and this and that. And then after that whole thing, I was running out of ideas. And she's like, why don't you just like, we get to get like apply for de facto or whatever. Ah, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. everybody else was like, just get married, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, doesn't really. I don't think it works that way. Yeah, um, it's not quite that straightforward. And no, also, I don't, tr- I don't, tricky. I don't want to do it like that, right? Yeah. Like, so we applied for a de facto visa, mm. which means um, we are legally living together. Yes, a couple living together. Uh, it took five years, and then I got my permanent residence after that. Oh, right. Yeah. So they allowed you to stay in the country while the application process went yes. through. Yeah, right. right like right. a bridging visa to stay while, uh, while I put the application through. And then the whole, basically the whole five years, it was um, a process of getting all our friends to write stat decks to basically... So you basically were a legitimate the, yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that sort of stuff. So Far out. That was that. And then when, when, when I got, when, when everything was okay, um, I went back to uni and go, I want to finish up. They go, it's... It, it's past its um, time huh? that you are allowed to 
finish the course. Yeah, you have to retake everything again. I'm like, nah. what? Um, but by the time I had it, you know, I'd been I'd been working in retail. I'd been working okay. in the skate shop. <laughs> oh, really? I, well, I got the job in a skate shop pretty much straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd been working in a skate shop. While you were studying. While I was studying. So, and when this whole thing happened with the process and everything, because there was, there was quite a few years where I was living, where I was waking up going, I don't know if I'm going to be here next week. Yeah. Right? Like, I've got a job. I've got a girlfriend. Yeah. got all this stuff going on. Mm. Like, what if I have to pack up and leave next week? Yeah, right. So, there was always that fear you know and that was that was that was a bigger concern for me than finish my degree yeah okay um because that was more of a, a thing so that you could stay no well and and i never saw myself in a suit in a firm mm. ever you know i mean it could have happened but sure yeah i never it was never on the cards for you. Never. I don't know. I don't have any cards. Never had any cards. In your mind, yeah. I just, <laughs> I've yeah. just been going every day. Yeah, right. Um, and so then, uh, yeah, so five years go by and, and you, you apply and then you got your citizenship. No, I got my permanent residence. Permanent residence, sorry. Yes, yeah. Not your citizenship no. yet. So the difference between citizenship and permanent residence is... Um, that I'm have, obviously haven't been naturalized because I'm not a citizen. Oh, so have you got a dual passport then? Uh, no. You can't get a passport unless you're a citizen. Ah, okay. Right. So I've got a permanent residence, which means that I can come and go as I please in Australia and I'm allowed to work here. Yes. Um, but in order to keep my permanent residence for Australia, yeah. I need to be in Australia every six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So you can't for, go on holiday for, for seven months. No, nah, so. you can, but then you have to have, write in and say, why am I away for... Sure. For X amount of time. Actually, I'm not sure if it's six months. It could be five years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, details. Yeah, um, yeah. Long story short, you're essentially an Australian. I've had to learn how to be. <laughs> yeah. I've I mean, now you've been be. here for longer than you've you know lived in Malaysia, so you know. You've well, certainly... it's 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 definitely past the halfway mark. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's half and half. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, definitely, citizenship applications are definitely on the cards. I've been holding off for a while because Malaysia doesn't allow dual citizenship right so if i take australian citizenship i have to give up my technically i do i mean yeah. some people don't because yeah they don't check really and so did your folks ever come down here as well or are they still um that in that's Malaysia? never come nah that's nah. no parents separated so i've got five oh, okay five members of my immediate family in five different countries whoa really yeah is any of your family living here at all no no they're all in different countries so my my father is in malaysia Yep. My mother's remarried in Canada. Um, one sister is in Singapore with three kids and another is in London with three kids. Wow. Okay, so you grew up with two sisters. Yes, I've got two sisters. Yeah. Wow. I'm wow. the eldest of three. And you're the eldest. Yes. And one of them's in Singapore. Have you ever been back to Singapore? Yeah, yeah. We, go, we try and go back to and see my dad every year. Oh, so um, Malaysia. So how f I'm terrible with geography. So how close is Malaysia to Singapore? <laughs> yeah, he's going to bring up the Google machine here. Pull up the world map. Yeah. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, I, I will share with the Art of Touring listeners uh, my uh, experience in Singapore. And that was absolutely awesome. I absolutely love Singapore. I got to go there a few years ago and I would love to return. We, we, um, we, we spent the, the coin to stay at the Marina Bay Sands. And it's basically like the landmark in the, in the heart of the city. Yeah. Um, looks like a giant skateboard. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the 
the the Infinity bo- the, pool. the bowl yeah. with the buildings at the bottom. Is that the one? Marina Bay? That's right, man. Yeah. That's the yeah. One. Okay, so we're looking at map of the world now, um, listeners. Okay. And so where the hell is Malaysia and where is Singapore? So that's Australia. Yeah. You see this thing here? Yeah. It looks like a penis. It does look like a penis. Yeah, so that's 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 West Malaysia. Huh. And that's East Malaysia. Huh. No, it's very complicated because um, there's there's two parts of it. So East Malaysia, oh, sorry, West Malaysia is is a peninsula, mm-hmm. and it's connected um, to Thailand, right? And Thailand's connected to Vietnam and all that sort of stuff. So the peninsula comes down like that, and the island bit, which is to the East right. Malaysia to the right, half the top half is Malaysia, the bottom half is Indonesia, of, okay. that, of that piece of land. So where's Singapore? Singapore is right <laughs> at, is the tip of the penis. Oh, on the that tiny little bit at the on the right. Yeah, just the on, tip the of left, the penis. on the left. So oh, it's, on the it's left, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand. Ah, right. Okay, so it's it's fucking right there. So yeah, you can visit your dad and your sister in the same trip, no problems. And all these little things here. Yeah, Indonesia. That's Indo, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the gamelan is from. Yes, correct. Yeah, far out, man. There you go. So, um, going back to KL is a eight-hour flight. Yes. Uh, mom's a little bit different. Mom's like a. Yeah, it's on the other side of the world. 30-hour flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada. Um, and, um, and your other sister in, in uh, the UK. In London, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Smack in the middle of London. Wow. Far out, man. So we've, we've covered a lot um, so far. So um, what, what else would you like to know? Well, now I'd really like to know um, how you got into um, the DJ scene and everything like that. All right, so... And remind uh, me, before before we finish up tonight, we have to talk Star Wars at some point as well. Oh, yeah, of course. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um, um, yeah, the DJ thing. How did all that come Okay, out? so came to Melbourne, did the skating, was in uni. Yeah. Uh, going through all the visa stuff. Um, got into raves. So in 1994, I went to my first rave. Yes. Um, didn't know, heard of these things before. Was never really that, you know. I was into techno. Mm. But not because of raves. I was into techno and it came through industrial metal. Right. So uh, that like was my influence. Non-inch nails. Kind of. All the skinny puppy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really heavy sounding. And then that led into really sort of, you know, grit pattern techno. Yes. Um, because it's the same configuration. Same with a lot of metal. You know, everything's box squared. It's got a, It's got a system to it. Yeah, right. Um, so my OCD really likes that. Yeah, right. Um, so that's how I got into it. Went, went to my first rave um, and got hooked. Mm. Um, not because of the substance or anything, but, but because of the whole, the whole shebang. The atmosphere. Everything. Yes. You know, like walk in at midnight and it's this magical wonderland. <laughs> like, oh my God, like everyone's colorful, everyone's happy, everyone's smiling. The music is amazing it's loud there's lasers there's so much decorations there's things going on there's activities that you know and then the sun comes up you're like oh it's just like shitty confetti and torn up garbage bags and uv light yes but at midnight it looked amazing yeah right right um so yeah got into all that and um i was working in retail i was working in the skate shop yeah uh and then I changed from the skate shop to, I started working in a sneaker store. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I think I worked in a sneaker store from the late 90s or 2000. Sure. Up till maybe for 10 years. 
Oh wow! Yeah, for ten years, two thousand and ten or something Which, like um, that. Which sneaker store did you work at? I worked in. I worked in a few. I started out working at Ghetto. I think. Remember the Ghetto stores? No, I don't remember that. There was one at the Fun Factory. Hmm. You know where the Fun Factory was? Where was that? The roller skating ring on the corner of Turak and Chapel. No. I'm too far out. I don't right, that. so this yeah, is yeah. not your hood. No, not my hood at all. Anyway, I worked in a, a skate shop called Ghetto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, started there, um, and then worked for Platypus. Oh, okay. That I remember that. Before one. they're huge like this now, they were still quite big back then. But they're but sure, they're yeah. quite big now. Uh, I worked for Carhartt for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for a company called YouthWorks, which was an Adelaide-based company. Yep. Um, and they had a shoe, a shoe. St- like a, a a chain of shoe stores, which yeah. were theirs called Soul Shoes. I think there was I worked in the one in Melbourne Central. Um, did that for a few years, and then um, I don't know the the whole DJ thing intersected. So I was never I've never really I was always the guy on the other side of the decks. I love the dancing. I love the people. I love the you know like I was never thought I would be the one doing the music. Doing the music, but I love the music. Yeah. So every week I would go and buy music. Right. And um, this was, so I bought, I had some vinyl before I came to Australia. Yes. And this was like, you know, the early Soul to Soul and things like that from the record store, you know. Sure. Just just really also public enemy and things like that, but never for DJ, just for listening at home. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and then when I started going to Raves here, um, I started, they started bringing out CD singles. Remember CD singles? Yes, I do. Yes. So CD singles, which was just after singles. Yes. <laughs> anyway, City Singles came out and you could buy the tracks that we heard at the clubs or the raves, like the single track and then the yes, remixes of it. The remixes. And they were much cheaper. They were 10 bucks instead of 25 bucks for, for, for LP. Yes, for that's final, right. right? For, for, for whatever. Um, so I started buying CDs. and this, Singles. Before you know it, I had t- they're all CD. Like, oh, are they all CD? All CD singles. So, Oh my gosh. So I I had hundreds and hundreds of CD singles and wow. Yeah, and and so because I had all this music whenever there was a kick on, yes. I was the guy that picked the music because I had all the music. You had all the music. Had the music, right? So but, just to paint a picture for our listeners, we've got 1 2 3 4 5 you know like almost like suitcase sized bags and boxes in front of me and then just regular sized boxes as well and and they're all full of cd singles yeah that's crazy mostly cd singles yeah, yeah. Um, so you go to a party and you would bring all your stuff because you were the one that who or that or that, or that kick on at my place or yeah whatever yeah. you know um and then after a while i thought hey i've got all this stuff like i should go and maybe buy some you know home bedroom DJ CD units things and, yeah and you know maybe I can make some mixes or at least like when the when the boys are around or when the crew's around you know like you know it'd be like non-stop music instead of like push play and stop and yeah, whatever right, I'd change right. the, the, the CD and so I went out and bought this little all-in-one Vestax unit like I don't think it was meant for a professional performance thing but it was one for the home like the, the things lifted up yep. little joysticks for the speed control yeah um, had that and for, for this was a one for CDs CDs yeah, yes yes for CDs um, and it had a little mixer fader bar in the middle. So it's all, all in one. This was like the first generation CD, uh, like DJ controller. Sure, I yeah. Think, you know, but you still had to plug in all your, your equipment and stuff like that. So I got it to work, practiced on that for a year or so. And then um, one of my friends who opened a cafe gave me my first ever public gig. He goes, hey, you want to, I'm opening the, ca- I'm opening cafe, you know? Yeah. 
um, do you want to do you want to come and DJ at the cafe? I'm like, I've only got trance and techno music. Like, <laughs> you want to, what are you, you doing? You know, you, and your your opening of the cafe is like 7 p.m. and stuff like you crazy. <laughs> but, ah, it's okay. Like we all love it, and yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. they were all ravers as well, and you know, right. they're all ex clubbers and things. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. We're banging out. Like I'm like, you sure? Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. Okay. So that was my first ever gig. It was a cafe next to that McDonald's on Lonsdale Street. Oh, really? It was a cafe. They opened a cafe next door. This was back in the day. This was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or early 2000s, maybe. No, sure. I think it was the late 90s. Late 90s. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't remember, man. That's okay. Um, anyway, that was my first ever gig. And yeah. Then, and, then, and then got hooked. And then before you know it, started buying vinyl and then bought turntables. Yeah. And then it just... Went on from there. Played parties for free and played kick-ons. And, you know, anyone who had a things set up went good went to open deck nights oh what's an open deck night it's like an open mic night but with open decks open decks so you get like you bring your own vinyl and you, you just yeah you rock up the decks are there like normally there's a, a, a night where there's no one like monday tuesday sure they help you bring your 10 friends whatever yeah um and then you just sign in and if there's no one there you get to dj for a couple of hours huh yeah it's, and it'd be a good way to practice your craft too exactly because you it's like like for me you could be the best like from experience you know you could be the best dj in bedroom DJ in the world you could be doing tricks no one's ever seen <laughs> and then the first gig you play in front of people it's and nothing everything's totally different yeah yeah nothing works and everything sounds different and you know nothing's right and yeah you, you thought you had the beats per minute right on one track and then it's not and you're like oh shit that didn't no, work no because it's, it's you don't have uh, you don't have feedback from from, from people you don't yeah, have yeah. you don't have energy you don't have nothing you're playing to a wall essentially exactly yeah yeah um, huh some nights in the club are like that yeah, right. Play to the wall. <laughs> well, I can definitely empathise with that. My goodness, I've be worse for a band, I think. Man, it's rough. Yes, you know. Um, I mean, like even just the the current gig that I do that I that I promote at the end of the the show most weeks these days, I do a gig out in Point Cook, which is about forty minutes from my house. Um, and um, bless them, they're trying to get like a bit of an atmosphere there, so they've hired some musicians to you know perform. But it's essentially a restaurant; it's not a pub, you know. Even right. though they're calling it a pub, it's, yeah. people go there to eat and right. then go home. And so you know, I'm in the corner playing you know acoustic covers, and essentially, like at the end of every song, you, you might hear this. You might hear like. <laughs> Like they forget, like, oh, you stopped or we better clap. I don't want to be rude. So, you know, um, I definitely have played my fair share of of the shows where you're essentially playing to the... the I mean, most, I I dare to say all DJs have done it and we'll keep doing it, you know? Like, it's the DJ. It's part of the gig, man. DJ, two bar staff, uh, two security and three people spinning around in circles. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you ever, like, in those instances, you, you turn to the bar stuff, like, what do you want to hear? Nah. Any requests? No. Never? No. No? Why is that? Give them an inch, they want a yard. Oh, really? Then they'll <laughs> just want it, like, yeah, I wanted to play the whole album of this artist or whatever. Oh, look, if they're nice and they ask whatever, and if it suits, I'll, pl- I'll always play it, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. Like, I think for most DJs, it's not so much they don't want to play it or whatever. It's I think for most of us, it's the way you approach it. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's fine if you request something. Huh, yeah. But listen to what's playing and pick something that kind of sounds like it and we probably play it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, if I'm, I can't be at a metal gig and then go and hit up the elite thing. Oh, hey, do a cover of like, I don't know, 
Taylor Swift or something. <laughs> something, something like that. Like, yeah. You yeah, get thrown like when, out. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing acoustic stuff and, and they'll come up to me and go, oh, can you play, you know, uh, Highway to Hell? I'm like, dude, it's an acoustic guitar. That's not going to work. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, how about Billy Joel then? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, I can't play yeah, piano like, on this, man. You know? <laughs> just do horses. Everybody likes horses. <laughs> you know what I do for horses? I play um, uh, Holy Grail by yeah. Hunters and Collectors. It's the same fucking chord. Right. So and you so mash it up. Just mash it up. Yeah. So in the bridge of, of, um, of Holy Grail, I just start singing, you know, that's the way it's going to be, little darling. <laughs> and, the, and if they pick it up, they'll kind of sing along and then I'll just go straight back into Holy Grail. And if they ever ask for horses, I'm like, well, I actually played it. So no. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Look, I'm I'm I've been here a long time. I'm yes. I'm pretty sure I've absorbed the culture. I'm pretty yes. sure I'm Australianized. What, what is, is it, it with horses? Song? I can I tell you what it is? What is it? Um I actually interviewed uh, a DJ, my, uh, the only other DJ I ever interviewed on the art of touring, uh, uh, Teddy Cream, and it's a student of mine, um uh, Vincent Calderoni. And um, he did a remix of Horses about two years ago, and it got picked up by commercial radio right. and got spun. Fucking, you did know, get sued to no. Oh no, no, because it's a remix. So right. it, it was uh, um, so licensed. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he didn't make any money off it, but um, yeah. And so because of that, whenever they see like an acoustic artist, they're like, "Oh, play Horses." But up until two years ago, it oh, he wasn't- did an acoustic version. No, no, no. His was like a, you know, a dance poppy right, kind right. of Okay, version. it's got a beat on it, yeah. It does, yeah. It has, right. has a, you know, that kind of thing that those DJs do. I don't know, do. I kind of... Yeah. It's one of those songs where I've, I've, give, I've given into, like... Yeah. I don't, I don't try not to play it. I would definitely not recommend it. No. Um, I hope not to hear it. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I, I get it, like, especially if you're at a wedding and something, like... Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It, it kind of must, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Especially if the mother of the bride asked for it. It's very strange because for years and years, that song was daggy. Like, you wouldn't listen to it. It's but still now daggy. It's, it's, still, it's daggy. still daggy, yeah. But now it's can't, gone past the daggy phase to back being to back to back being cool again, which is very that. strange. I don't know about that. If you're drunk enough, everything's I, cool, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's right. So where are we? Yeah. So doing the DJ thing. And so um, you did mention how you've done the shitty gigs where, you know, you're playing oh, right. to no one. Okay. So but can you tell so, me about a really good gig that you did? Okay. Like? So so everything was still the early years uh, with DJing. I was still doing retail. I was, I was doing DJing. Yeah. And then um, I met three other people. Eric Ryan, which is DJ Oblivious. Um, Scott, which is DJ Scott Rod. Um, and Speezy, Mark Spees, who uh, now works for Denon, I think. Um, yeah, Speezy, who works for Denon. Anyway, these three guys, two of them are DJs, one's an MC. We so happened to meet at a kick-on Sunday morning at Eric's house. There was, there was quite a few people there that morning. And we sat around, there's lots of things going on. And we were talking, and like, oh, what do you do with this and that? Oh, yeah, we just started DJing. Oh, yeah, what do you DJ? Oh, I play Deep House or whatever. I'll play Breaks and just that. And then we sat around. Oh, yeah, it's, we started talking about the whole industry. Like, oh, you know, we've been trying to get gigs, and it's really hard, you know, like not sure what music people want to hear. And it's a lot of things that, because everyone was still buying vinyl. So everyone was quite, was quite limited to the range of what type of music they can play. Sure, yeah. Right, unless you went out and bought everything. But back, back when I started, you know, you either bought house or you bought techno or you bought whatever you liked. Yeah. So people were limited. And um, we sat around and we thought, oh, it's how, how do we get gigs? And we looked around and we thought, hey, between the, th- the four of us, 
if all our friends came to a party, that's like 70, 80 people. Yes. Why don't we start a party? Huh? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, what, what do we play? Oh, let's go something in between. Everyone can play. Like, you like breaks? Yeah, I like breaks. You like breaks? Yeah, I like breaks. Cool. Breaks it is. Breaks, hip hop, drum and bass, or whatever, along those lines, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and so, three DJs and one MC, we started a, we started a crew called Beats Working. Yes. Um, we ran f- for five years. Wow. We did a party a month. Yes. And we never had a shit party. Yeah. Um, and we did a lot of parties in between as well. And after the second or third year, we got invited to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Rainbow Serpent, festivals. Oh, Rainbow like that. Serpent. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, basically, that's how we, the three of us or the four of us got our names. Yeah. And from there, we, people, we got it started getting booked individually for different gigs. and Right. Because even though we all played breaks, we all had different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we all started. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I started getting residencies. I played at Blue Bar. Yep. And then played at Revolver. Yes. Um, so I've been at Revolver now for 15 years. 15 years, man. Yeah, but I only do the Thursday dinner set. Yeah. Pretty much. So because I've played Revolver in the live band room. Yeah, many, in the front room. Many times, the front yeah. room. So you keep walking back and there's a back bar. There's a back, there's a back huge that, room. That's the main room. That's yeah. the main room. That's the main room. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's where the DJ is. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then when the bands finish on the yeah. weekends, the DJ takes over the stage. So there's two DJs going. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I actually have a funny story about Revolver. Um, I was like 20, I think, and I just, I didn't really understand the Australian culture of when someone shouts you a beer. Right? Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine at TAFE, we all went out to Revolver. You're not Australian either? I am Australian, but um, I was 20. I didn't really understand the right, culture of, course. Yeah, of right, right, know, right. Yeah. Australiana, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so my mate shouts me a beer. And um, he, he he gets me this beer and I'm like, oh, I was, he's like, do you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, okay. And so he buys me the beer and then I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't have any money. I can't shout him back. I felt so guilty. And then the next the next week at TAFE, I went up to him and I was like, dude, thank you so much for that beer on the weekend. And he's like, what are you talking about? What beer? <laughs> Did you remember? <laughs> remember, but I did because I was so grateful. Oh, it's probably your shout next week. That's why. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So you're doing Revolver, man. Yeah, so that, that was... Uh, that was like your residency. Yeah, well, I, I started at Revolver on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, thinking that, you know, every DJ wants to play at Revolver on the weekends. Did I turn something up? No, no, it's all good. I was just checking. It was making sure it was still rolling. Yeah. So you're there every weekend? I'm there every weekend, just about. Um, <clears throat> and then started getting gigs, but I still had my retail job. And it started clashing because, well, the busiest, first of all, Friday night Melbourne is yeah. late night shopping. Uh, <laughs> of course. and that's So you don't you shut till working. nine. No, yeah. you don't get out. If you're the manager, you don't get out till later. Yeah. Saturday... Retail is the busiest day of the week for retail, mm-hmm. right? So when are the busiest times for gigs? Friday, Saturday night. That's it. So I did Thursday night gig, go to work Friday till nine. Yeah. Friday night gig, wake up early, go to work all day, <sighs> Saturday night gig. And then sometimes I have to come back on a Sunday because I'm the manager of the store. Yeah. My staff have to have RDOs or have to have you know every other Sunday off. Yes. So that was did that for a few years and then kind of thought, um, you know, my retail job 
wasn't doing bad. Sure. Wasn't doing great. Yeah. You know, um, whenever the whenever the weekend come, I had money in my pocket, I'd spend it because I could pay Tuesday. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So I wasn't really saving anything. Sure. Um, I'm having a hell of a great time. Yeah. Um, but I was getting really sort of like, you know, burned the candle at both ends with yeah. the jobs. Um, and I spoke to Suze. I said, hey, look, you know, I really need to make a decision. You know, I really want to do this DJ thing, you know, but yeah, being a DJ, what if I got no gigs certain weeks? Yeah. I've got bills to pay and stuff, no right? No income like, coming in. I know, yeah. like there's no guarantee. There's no, you know, there's no superannuation. Like there's no, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. So, yeah. so she said to me, she said, look, um, which was, I'm so grateful for. She says, look, you know, like give it a go. Mm. We'll try it for a year or so. Yeah. It doesn't work out. Just going back to doing what we're doing. Sure, you know? yeah. And well, I'll, I'll help you out for a year. If it doesn't work out, we'll see. You know, I don't want you to be, she said to me, I don't want you to be too, I don't want you to be old and look back and go, I never got could a chance have. to do that. What if I, sh- what if I did? No, maybe yeah. I should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did it with her help. Yep. Um, and we've never looked back. There you go. Yeah, so I quit my job in retail. I took DJ full time three residencies. I still have three res- residencies and everything around it. Yeah. I've managed to keep it that way. Yeah. And um, how long has this been? Over 10 years. Over 10 years. Full time DJ. I'd say 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, wow, ten, man. Ten, being paid as a DJ 10 years. It's impressive. So in within those 10 years, you must have seen. But I've started shit. late because, you know, I was already in my early 30s. Oh, yeah. But still, um, you know. And, and I had a bit of a. Uh, a bit of a freak out, you know, turning 40. Yeah, right. Because, you know, look, wants wants to be in a club with a creepy old 40-year-old <laughs> DJ playing to 18-year-olds, right? Yeah, like, right, right. It's a little bit not right. Nah, but, that's fine. Um, so, started to think about plan B. Yeah, right. You know, like, what am I fucking going to do? Huh. Like, what if, I, what, if the, what if it stops tomorrow? Sure, yeah. Um. But after I turned forty, man, it it just it kept getting better. Yeah, right. Um, Your worries that were. Unfounded. I mean, I'm, I still worry. I mean, that's that's normal, right? Tell, please tell me it's normal for people to worry. Like, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I always look at the positive of it, man. Like people go, hey, I can't believe you're still doing this, still hanging out in the clubs. Like you know, you know, you're not fucking sixteen anymore. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. 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 And like, why do you still love it? And I'm like, I I love it. I love DJing. I love. Yeah. I love the fact that someone's paying me to play music that's not even mine. Yeah, right, right. You know, and I, I don't, and I've said it to many people, you know, and I, I, I don't even have to play a musical instrument to replicate the song. Yeah, yeah. I literally push a button. Sure, sure. And the song comes out exactly like it should. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. If I do something good, it's instant gratification. Yeah, yeah. I know about it. People yeah. tell me about it. Sure, people yeah. People applaud, whatever. And same if I, you know, if I mess up, sure, you know, yeah, you yeah. get the odd boo, whatever it is. Yeah, um, it's, n- it's no other job in the world where you go in and they go, "What are you drinking tonight, mate?" And you go, "I'm not drinking." And they go, "What? <laughs> What's wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah. Any other job in the world, they'll go, "Have you been drinking?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but this one is the opposite. It's th- they expect you to. Yes, which is not a good thing. You're in the club. It's not a good thing. But but you know, like that, you know. It, it's it's great. Like yeah. I'm gonna I know it's not gonna be forever, but I'm gonna 
try and milk it for as long as I can. Oh, you got to do what you do, man. Um, yeah. And so I, tell I, us about your. Um, uh, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted to know about like the if there is one in the back of your mind, your like favorite gig. Because you did mention before we started officially that you got to play in Queensland a couple of times, and I think you said Adelaide as well. This was um, a long time ago. This was this was early days. This was before. Okay. This was like yeah. This was before anything good happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Ad- the 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 Queensland gig was good. It was good to just play in a different state to a different crowd. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you get a different response with the stuff that the same stuff that you do. Yes. Yeah. You don't really like. I didn't really change styles or much music i just they just put me there and, and i played and and the, the queensland crowd is good yeah nice big and responsive you know Mel, melbourne's a little bit more educated i it not in not being like you know we're better than them sure sure but like i think melbourne punters yes. are a little more clued up on what they like right yeah i'm with you what they want yes you know they're a little bit more selective okay i'm with you um which is good and bad mm. right because on a general night, you can't get things going. You know, it's full, but everyone's like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Um, and you're like, last week I did the same thing, and everyone loved it. And now it's like, oh yeah, that'd right. be weird. Yeah, right. actually, I, I know what that's like. Like sometimes I'll go like, okay, I'm gonna play "Faith" by George Michael. People love that song, and I'll smash it out, and it's just no one cares. <laughs> but the following week I could play that song and everyone loses yeah, their minds. It's, it's different. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a popular DJ saying, you're only as good as your last gig. Yeah, right. Yeah. Same thing with the tunes. Same thing with the tunes. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're only as, you're only as good as your last, last gig, gig, mate. Yeah. yeah. People only remember <laughs> you for the last thing you did. Well, what was your favorite show, show that you've ever got to do? I think my, my biggest show was, um, I got mainstay, I got, I got, uh, prime time on the market stage at Rainbow Serpent Festival one year, and I think it was mm-hmm. 2010. Um, I got booked to play at midnight on Saturday. Oh, nice! Yeah, so Saturday, midnight, Sunday, um, and that's the main where the lasers come on and all that sort of stuff. But oh. it was the it was a market stage, right? Right. And at midnight is when the main stage opens and the big big act starts. Huh. So I'm thinking in my head like, okay, I'm gonna rock up. People are gonna start leaving for that mainstay. It's fine. Like yeah, you yeah. know, I normally play small show. I'm just should be happy to just play on this big stage. Sure, yeah. Big sound system, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I rock up and the guy before me, I remember his his name was Cheswig, DJ Cheswig, and he was playing, he's playing his last few tunes before me. I come into the stage and the sound guy was next the door, next to the door, and he looks at me, he goes, Next DJ, yep, cool, what do you need? Everything's sorted. You guys he's got two or three more tracks. Just just wait a minute. Yeah. I, I look up into the crowd. And there's at least three thousand people. Wow. In the crowd, like yeah. And he's banging out, and every track is dropping. It's a banger, and everyone's loving. It's going off, and now I'm getting nervous. I'm thinking, okay, like how am I going to follow this up? I hope I don't. You know, my first track's good enough. Like yeah. But also telling myself it doesn't matter because if people leave, it's because the main stage has started, right? Everyone's yes. going to, I would have done the same. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool, whatever. I'm like, compared to New Breed was playing. Compared to them, I'm no one, whatever. So I play, get on, play, 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 play. I think two or three tracks in, I look up and it was packed. It was more packed than the, the DJ before. Stage. I'm like, what is going on? <gasps> I looked, I looked, I looked at the sound guy and I looked around again. People were running 
to come and check to come and check the stage. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, what's going on here? And the sound guy tells me because oh, Newbridge just had um equipment failure. <laughs> they can't get it going. <laughs> so, so I basically had everyone for two hours. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How fortuitous was that? That was pretty good. Wow. That was pretty good. And that was that was vinyl days as well. So we're playing vinyl. Still doing vinyl. Even yeah. though it was 2010, you were yeah. doing it on the vinyl. I think that was good. Well, that's a great story to finish on, um, to do with your DJ stuff. And now now we'll, we'll kind of paint a picture um, out of touring listeners' hands. DC and I know each other through a, a little thing called the 501st. It's a Star Wars costuming community. We go out in, in costume, in Star Wars garb. And, uh, you know, we, we um, appear for charity and, and for, you know, corporate and uh, events and stuff like that. And... Um, uh, in in this, uh, uh, what did you call it again? A boy, a boy hood, a, bo- <laughs> a boy's den, boy's den, boy's den. Um, we are surrounded, absolutely surrounded by uh, Star Wars paraphernalia, and um, and I've just only realised behind me a shitload of kicks. Like I'm talking, I mean, we'll, we'll take a, we'll, we'll have to do a pan- panorama view. It's, it's I think more, it's all in the tubs is just more of what you see out. Yeah, more shoes, put up, more shoes, more uh, shoes, yeah, and more toys, and more toys. Love it, love it. Um, and so, when did your love? Because we already heard about the kicks. Obviously, you worked in a shoe store, so we know where that stems from. But um, yeah, where did your love of Star Wars come from? Um, always early. I think that that's the earliest love out of everything. Really, I think yeah. Star Wars, the first movie I ever got. First, first one I watched was my mom took me to watch Empire Strikes Back. I remember it was Empire Strikes Back in really? Malaysia. Yeah. What year was that? 80? 80. 80, yes. 80. The year and I was we, born. We probably got it like in 81 because it was in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway <laughs> um, I remember my mom, my mom, I remember it was Empire Strikes because when Vader, when that door opened and Vader was sitting at the dining table. Yes. Yeah. I was hiding behind the chair. I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I shoot myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 1980, I was six years old. Yeah, six years old. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, wow. Um, and then loved it. And I think I actually had toys before I even seen the movie. Really? Yeah. Huh? Like, because we'd go to the toy shop or whatever it is, and you'd buy the action figure, right? Cause yes. Like, oh, I think R two or three PO had to be the first ones of Vader. One of those. One of those. It looked different, you know, like looked mean or. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then from there, I think next thing you know and Star Wars was huge yes everyone's house you went to they had Star Wars toys you played Star Wars everyone's every time you go into your friend's house right for some reason every time I went to a friend's house Jedi was playing in the background yeah it was always Return of Jedi <laughs> yeah it, it, it's the one I've watched the most out of everything by default yes yeah I don't know why there you go I remember every, everything of Jedi because I've seen so much of it yeah, um, because it was always on. It was just always on. It was just always on. It was yeah, always on. Yeah, yeah. It was always. I was always. Remember well, it was the last one, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Of those. So I think they trilogy. kept playing it again and again. Yeah, and again it was the nothing. nostalgia thing, you know. And then, Jedi um, again. and then when it came back, um, the prequels. Yes. It was. We were in the middle of the whole rave. Well, you were twenty six at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. were. We were deep into you know, going party and. Yeah. Doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we did go to the premieres. I did go to the premieres and stuff. I, th- I, I think so. But I wasn't as into it as I used to be. Yes. Um, I had other stuff to be into. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess my head wasn't, you know, 
wasn't was in the clouds a lot of time. Wasn't into it. Yeah. But when did you actually start, um, like, uh, trooping and, and getting into the costuming side of things of Star Wars? On my 40th. So... Oh, it's only four years ago. So, Suze... I've always told Suze, like, I've always wanted to be a stormtrooper. And she goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've always wanted to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, man, yeah. You know, like, half tongue-in-cheek, half like, you know, I've always wanted a stormtrooper. I've always e- wanted to be a stormtrooper. E- everyone. I mean, more, not everyone, but I... Me too, man. I mean, that's my costume. You so know? coming up to my fortieth, yes, she bought me a Ruby's costume huh. because I've been talking about it, whatever. Yes. So she collected money, whatever, and she went out and purchased a Ruby's costume and told me yes. because she thought because she, she knew I needed to get it approved and stuff like that. Yeah. And when I found out it was Ruby's, I was like, oh my god, you know. And I had like eight weeks. Yes. Um, till my birthday because she'd organized a Star Wars party f- for my 40th and Perfect. everybody was going to dress up and I was going to turn up in a stone trooper and it was going to be you know the best the whole big thing yeah and so I'm like rubies oh no that's the one that you're not supposed to get yeah you know so what do we do so panic did all the legwork managed to get a refund oh really managed to find a, a suit from AP in Canada yes I just managed to hitch on the at the back end of his run he was about to close it like, and he managed to rush it to me within like a week and a half wow I built it in three weeks yes got approved and got approved like and wore it to my 40th third party man yeah. that's cool man so that was I, my that was my I have an AP as well from Canada really yeah that's oh, so we have the same costume we have the same yeah we have the same, same maker yeah. yeah yeah. so the the who who the person that uh, that kind of convinced me to go forward with and do the whole thing mm. um, was um, do you know uh, what's the name of the band a band his name is Jay his name is Jay yeah he's DJ Jedi he's a DJ in a punk band from Melbourne oh uh, the punk band is called they're gonna hate me for not remembering no that's okay anyway he, oh um do you mean, did he work in a skate shop? No, he didn't work in a skate oh, shop. Oh, okay, cool. Anyway, he had, he's a massive, his name's Jay. He's right. DJ Jedi. Yeah. He's a massive Star Wars guy. Yes. Right, and he's probably the, the, the first one I've known since I've come to Melbourne. Yeah. He's a big Star Wars guy. Star Wars guy, yeah. And he only collects vintage. So his entire collection is just vintage stuff. There's no, Ow. there's no new, not even the 90s stuff. Like he's just, Yeah, only 70s and 80s. <laughs> Proper vintage. Vintage stuff. He's one of those guys. Anyway. Whoa. That's expensive hobby. He got a suit. Right. And he built it and he got approved. Huh. Because I don't think he was into the trooping side of it. He yes. just wanted a full size. Yeah. Yeah. Trooper, yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. And yeah. he finished it, got approved, whatever. He told me about it. He posted it. I'm like, oh, can I come over? So when I went over to his house and I saw the whole thing, I was like, okay, that's it. That's. I've got to get it happening. I've got to get it happening. Yeah. That's how I got it happening. There you go. Because I actually have a similar story. It was actually for my 30th. Right. That I wanted a Stormtrooper costume. And I looked into, and I almost clicked buy on the rubies. Right. It was like $1,000. Because that's the easiest yeah, thing, right? Yeah, because I didn't, I hadn't done my research yet. And I'm like, I want a Stormtrooper costume. Oh, here's one, you know. So thank God I found the 501st. I found, <coughs> you know, the um, the websites, the research. I figured it out and then got my AP and, and the rest is history. But then after my 30th, I'm like, okay, now for my 40th, I want to do a Boba Fett. 
And this was before I had kids. I spent like $5,000 on this Boba Fett. Have you got Boba Fett? I still haven't finished it. I've oh. got everything you need to create the costume, oh. but I haven't put it together because then I had kids and I'd lost all of my free time. So all my free time now is- You have spent- kids? Yeah, man. I have twins. And you're still running around doing this? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, but this is my... Um, the podcast has kind of become my band because I'm not in a band at the moment. Right, okay. So this is like once a week. This is your band practice. And usually I do it at home as well, yeah. so I'm not out of the house. Yeah, sorry to drag you away no, from kids. Don't, no, not a problem Twins. at all. Twins. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I stayed for dinner and, and bedtime and everything. That's why I was a little bit late cool. this evening. So yeah, I got to see my twins tonight. Um, and so, yeah, I've got now, or well, what is it now? It's July, July, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. I've got six, seven, I've got eight months to build my, my Boba Fett. That's enough time. I hope so. <laughs> get some help. Get, get some of the other Bobas to, to give you a hand. Maybe I think I should. You really need should. to, like ring, yeah. hit up Kim or something like that. Like, yeah, Camellius, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he he's, maybe he's, I'd be able to help me. Where's, yeah. where's Kim? I don't know where Kim is, but I don't think he's got a... I think he's got a lot of time on his hands. Okay, yeah, let's maybe put I it that could way. Give him some coin. Maybe he could do it. For maybe me. because I, I think I think he's also like that. He's a little bit like he likes to do that. Well, he's, he's he doesn't. Don't think he works a lot. Okay, yeah. So I think might have some time on his hands. Yeah, might have some time on his hands, and well, there could you go. Maybe maybe be interested in a in some paid work. Well, there you go. Maybe yeah, because he's done. He's been. Have you been following his Boba Fett? It it's looks amazing. Bit, looks good, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And James's. Um, who's in holiday with Steph at the moment overseas. Right, right. He's Boba Fett's great too. He's got smoke coming out of his backpack and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's got sound effects of his backpack. No shit. That's insane. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I think you can put dry ice or a vape inside and it's just... Oh, it's 2019, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God. There's all these extra things now you can do with a suit. So... um, Like even more so than when I started putting it together. So I got the... Obviously got the Stormtrooper done. I, yes, I managed to get EIB, and then that's a Centurion Stormtrooper. So I've got my Centurion badge, and I built the clone. Yeah, because so I've always got, loved clones. So you got the two now as well. No, I've got the clone, right? And then, and then I decided I need the whole, I need the series, right? I need, I need the evolution of things. Oh shit! So that's why you got the first order one yeah. there. Have you got the full first order costume yeah, got, as well? So I've got all full costumes. Oh my gosh! And this is my latest. And that's Cody. And that's a full costume too. Oh, dude! So you oh, have so I've got four troopable costumes. Three. I re- I retired that normal clone and turned it into the Cody. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so now I you just got kept the helmet. Yeah. Oh, that, there that's you go. You. Oh, thank you, man. Look at these. I've got some other stuff for you. Wow. So um, I'm looking here at Hans's um, trading cards that you get. I've got one of these, but they're not as slick. When I got mine done back in the day, they, they were a little bit more flimsy, but these look like they're all glossy and shit. They're super, super cool. Um, and uh, I like, yeah, you've got like the name Hans DC on there. Uh, I, I did a similar thing. I think I went with Grungy because Grungy. that was my so username. Um, username on the yeah, boards. They yeah. normally put a username on. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, these are some mags that we do. So this is what we do at Sneaker Freaker. These are our magazines. Yeah, Sneaker Freaker. I've, I've got this one at home. You do? Um, this one here. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How come? You're into sneakers? I, I am. I'm, I'm a huge sneaker fan. Um, but I exclusively collect um, Jordan 7s. 7s? Yeah, they're my... Like the ones I just absolutely obsessed over when I was a kid. So I have a pair of 1985 Jordan 1s here. Oh, wow. We'll have to check those out yeah, before, I'll show, I'll, show you, I'll show you later. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're probably the oldest shoe I have. They're well, for you. They're for you. And um, just give that away to someone if you don't want to. Oh, no. I, I, I will, um, I'll let my kids um, yeah. go through these and, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely 
cut them out and we'll yeah, do for some sure. art and craft. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, dude, what a fantastic conversation. It's been so great getting to know you better. Um, Thank you. I think um, before tonight, I think we'd really only met like a handful of times. At, yeah, at, just at trooping. At just, trooping just, and yeah, stuff. Just from at events. And I remember you saying that you were a DJ um, and I thought, well, you know, uh, one day I'll have to get you on the show and it's been great to have you on the show. And if anyone does want to book you for any events or anything like that, do you do like those kind of events still or you really just do like the, the clubs and pubs? Well, let's, let's, let's <clears throat> put it this way. At, at the start of 2018, at the end of 2017, at December, I told myself no more weddings. Okay. Because I've done my fair share. Yes. I'm in a position now where I don't need to play at weddings. Yes. It drains my soul hard. It's pretty rough, yeah. Um, whether it's friends or not, you know, and it's even worse with it's friends because it's hard to say no, it's your friend. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and yeah. like, do you charge them because, do you, you know, it's your a wedding, wedding gift, and but I'm taking a night off and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so to end of 2017, I said 2018 onwards, no more weddings. Okay. March 2018, I played my third wedding. Okay. <laughs> So it didn't last. No, it didn't last. But look, <laughs> I, I I try not to do it. If it's a special yeah. case, yes, I'll do it. And okay, you cool. know, if if it's if you're really really desperate and you really you really need someone like sure, me, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess we can work something out. But um, other than that, other than people want to come and see you do your thing. Yeah, you're still at Revolver I'm every at, week. I'm at Revolver every Thursday. I do the yeah. dinner, dinner set on Thursday at Colonel Tan. So uh-huh. come for dinner. Yeah, listen to some chill tunes. It's a cool vibe. Um, on Fridays, I'm at Blue Bar all night mm-hmm. uh, on Chapel Street, 3.30 Chapel Street, and uh, it's commercial hip-hop and bass and trap. Nice. Um, and I'm back at Electric Ladyland on Saturdays, which is also on Chapel Street. Um, yeah. And that's like a house cocktail lounge where they play house music. And do you also do day spa as well? Oh, yeah. So um, I I do day spa every month or a couple of months or Every yeah, six weeks or whatever it is. I'm on rotation with the Day Spa crew uh, for the last three years now. Nice. Uh, day Spa is a day day party at uh, on at Pawn & Co on Greville Street every Sunday. Right on. And every Sunday they do a different theme, dress up theme. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a cool little joint. Nice. Uh, cool little vibe with uh with very colorful characters and stuff like that. So if you're yeah. thinking of party on a Sunday, check it out. For Come on sure. down. Come so on down. whenever you see Hans DC in the trades, um, you know, on the, the gig guides, be sure to go and check him out. Um, I also play under a different uh, moniker. Oh, what's that? Uh, I'm called the Phantom Sun and I do the Phantom Sun when I do the festivals and the more hippie sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Like Rambo Serpent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Does that have like a, an it's account a, that we can follow, like an Instagram or no, something? No, I go by both names, but you can go to my SoundCloud. If you Google Hans DC and oh, SoundCloud, everything will come up. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. So you can find me via there. I'm part of a crew called The Operatives, um, and uh, we do big acts like Flying Lotus and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so yeah, lots of things going on. Yeah. Still chugging along. Um, yeah. Quite content with what Melbourne's going to offer. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people I haven't met yet. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things I haven't done. <laughs> oh, well, man. You, it, was, um, it was really good to talk to you about all, all of the different facets of, of your um, performing and your, um, your upbringing. And um, we'll see you spinning decks for years to come, I'm sure. I hope so, too. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank see you, you later, thank, Hans, man. Th- thank you. Thanks, man. Cheers.
And that's Rap Sizzlers, episode 66, all done and dusted. Thanks for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, give the podcast a share, why don't you? Hey, on the old social media, use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast. Yeah, Instagram, give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first-time listener to the show, I hope you come on back. Uh, each week and keep on listening. I have a new guest every week. I source them myself. I put the feelers out there and then people come back and they either I go to them or or they come over here to the uh, Siriani studios. We lay down a, an hour or so of a conversation and it's always a, a great old yarn. So please come on back every week for another guest. If you would like to get in contact with me, please just email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you yourself would like to come on the show. Uh, if you are a touring muso or even if you're just a muso that hasn't toured, you've got some gig stories of playing around your your own local town i'd still love to talk to you a performer of any kind um or a wrestler uh please hit me up or send me a message on instagram at art of touring podcast you can listen to art of touring on Wooshka and you can download it on itunes uh, if you have enjoyed this episode please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone just bring up the podcast app scroll down to rate and review Click five stars and write us a short review. Old mate can put together a podcast every week. Look at this bloke. Something like that. That'd be funny. (laughs) Now let's get into some plugs. On Saturday, August 31, members of the Passouts and the Warbirds are playing Pearl Jam's Vitalogy in its entirety for the 25th anniversary of the album. We're putting on this show at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. It's a bloody huge venue. So tickets are on sale now via the Corner's website. Uh, Log in, grab your tickets before they're all gone. I can't get through that sentence without a straight face. Head straight to thecornerhotel.com, go to their gig section and buy your tickets. Supporting us on the night will be two of Art of Touring's alumni in the first band, Julian James and Nick Ivkovich, their band, The Millionaires Club. Uh, they play exclusively wrestling theme songs. They're an absolute laugh. Can't wait to th- see those guys. And also, this week I've just secured Dalacoma, and drummer for Dalacoma is a, is a man uh, called Mr. Jared Medwin, who's also been on the show. So it's going to be a real family atmosphere on the night. Can't wait to put on this show with all of these guys. Um, uh, on the 31st of August at the Corner Hotel. Tickets are available right now, so get them while you can. Um, that's it for me this week. Before I go, I do have a few more shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Uh, big thanks to my guest this week, Hans DC. Be sure to check out his SoundCloud. Uh, search for Hans DC on SoundCloud and check out his other moniker, The Phantom Sun, where he does his festival spots. Uh, that's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of The Art of Touring with a Sizz Dog. Ow, ow, ow. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Order 66. Those Jedi will never know what hit them. <laughs>